Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the Anxiety Chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the Anxiety Chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinara. And I'm Taylor. And we're so excited to be here today again for our podcast. We hope you enjoyed last week's um, episode about um, quarter life crisis. I feel like we could have talked about that for another couple hours, but we got such good feedback on that. There were so many people that had DM'd me saying they Mm -hmm. could relate and how – People don't talk about that enough. So if you haven't listened to it yet, listen to Quarter Life Crisis. Even if you're, even if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, or if you're a teenager or something, it's actually a, it's very in, insightful. I feel like it gives so much good information. Just about like you could relate if you're older now. You could t- probably relate back to when you were in your quarter life because I feel like everyone kind of goes through that change and fig- tries. And to it was out. our 50th episode. Did you know that? 
I know. I'm like, I hope that's not our quarter life. I'm just kidding. Quarter life. No, 50s. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would be half if it was actually the lifespan, right? Because I like to say that we live to 100. That's my average, even though that's not the Oh, you go, average. girl. <laughs> I'm like, I think 100. Let's just put it like that. Who knows what they're going to come up with in the next 20 years. Um, so, yeah, how you've been doing okay, Taylor? Yeah, like I said, nothing new, which like let me knock on wood real quick. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're good. I I've been doing pretty good. Um, I've been still having some I know, I saw your stories. Bouts of like anxiety and just crying. I've noticed though a new pattern about myself. Sunday nights are very hard for me. Yeah. Because yours I, is every Sunday. Literally. No, it's seriously. And I started recognizing that now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. This actually is really helpful information for myself that Sunday nights are very hard. And I think it goes back to growing up. I come from an Italian family and like Sunday nights were always around the dinner, you know, spend it with family and just like a very, you know, chill time watching movies or whatever with, with your family. And I'm single. I mean, I have a boyfriend, but like I live alone. And yesterday I actually had a nice time with a girlfriend during the day, but I still come home and I'm by myself and it just like hits me. So struggling with that. So my Sunday scaries are different. It's not necessarily like scared of the week ahead. I actually am looking forward to a new week. I wake up Monday, like I woke up today. I'm like, yay, it's daytime. Okay. I didn't even sleep that great, but Sunday nights, oh my gosh. I'm like, can you just, I just want to go to bed. Like I just want to get Sunday over with. Um, also, just give maybe everyone a little update on your dad. It's been a while. How oh is yeah, he's he so he's actually progressing pretty well. I'm I'm so happy he has been able to walk on his walker by by him. Well, with us wow. like, next to him, yeah, from like his room all the way to the the entrance of the assisted living facility. And so he's also been going to the bathroom more himself. He's able to do that, but more like not just by himself himself, but with one person sort of watching him, not actually having to do stuff for him. So that's such yeah. progress. So now wins. my mom is looking to just move into a place that actually has a bedroom on the first floor. And I, we think maybe in the next couple of months, like maybe you can come home before the holiday. It's like Yay. fingers crossed. Oh my gosh. Thank you I'm for so asking. happy for you. Yeah. So that's going good too. So yeah, um, check out, you know, my page and you'll probably see, I, I post in my stories all about when I'm feeling anxious. Cause that's actually so helpful for me. Like last night when I was having this like anxiety attack, I, I said, I need to go on my page. I'm just going to share this with people because it's cathartic for me. Yeah. And I know it helps so many people that feel the same way. And I also told them kind of what I did. I was more aware of when it was happening a lot quicker than in the past. And so I, right. I was able to do some breath work and I actually did write in my journal. Um, and I allow myself just to cry a little bit and a lot of the thoughts I was having was rumination about my relationship too and just being feeling more alone because it was a Sunday night and he was like away this weekend. I haven't hadn't seen him in a while and so all of that stuff was like so loud and coming back in my brain again and it was just really hard and today I feel so much better. <laughs> it's just like I get in that mindset sometimes. It's so hard to break free of it but – It um, always passes. I, I – yeah, I know, right? And it's it's temp- like it's always temporary. So I just feel right. like glad that I was able to kind of break out of it. But other than that, things have been pretty good. So um, I think I'm glad that we can say that. Uh, also, you guys, if you haven't yet um, rate and reviewed us and subscribed to the chi- the anxiety chicks, please do so because if you like it, we'd love to hear from you and. Um, reviewing and rating us really puts us on the face of iTunes. And I think it gives access to more people. And so we're really trying to just help raise awareness for anxiety and mental health. And yesterday was World Mental Health Day. Um, and so such a huge day um, to try and really give more access and more resources to people from around the world for mental health because um, – there's a lot of people that really just don't have access to any treatment. And the people that do have to have a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, if there's one thing this podcast is is free to listen to and it could help other people from around the world who maybe that's the one thing they can can get access to is like a podcast and maybe they can hear some information and get educated. So 
we'd love to um, to have you rate and review and subscribe. Uh, okay. Without further ado, I'd love to get into our topic today. We've got a request for this a lot, um, talking about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. I think even if you don't have kids, um, like I, I actually don't have kids, but I'm and I mean, I'm a therapist, but I think you can really resonate with something if you're thinking about having kids in the future or if you have people in your life that do have kids that you love um, or you just want to learn a little bit more about um, yeah. postpartum anxiety, also, depression. Yeah. But- trigger warning. Just please turn this episode off if you're one of those people who has serious fears about getting pregnant and having kids and yeah. getting postpartum depression because I know a lot of people who like anticipate it and they're just like waiting for it to happen. So I feel like they just shouldn't read about it or n- know anything about it, like preparing themselves. You know what I mean? I just don't feel like it's smart for – um Yeah. I have a friend who's like so scared of having postpartum depression or she was so scared when she was pregnant, had mm. her had her son, and she was the happiest she's ever been. So it doesn't – Oh, it's wow. not going to I think it's become like it is super common but I feel like there's a lot of moms who feel like it's inevitable. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have I mean, I think that's good for you to say like for trigger warning for sure. Like if anyone feels like they might be triggered with this topic or um, you know, or maybe they have experienced it and they're actually in recovery and they're like, okay, yeah, maybe I yeah. maybe I don't want to go back there. I, I'm, yeah, I'm good yeah. right now. So maybe you don't want to be listening to this. But I obviously am a huge huge advocate of education and educating yourself. So I think if you can maybe just try and hear hear it a little bit if you're just curious. But then if you feel like yourself and not able to listen, then totally turn it off. But um I like that. I like that you said that. So so good. So, okay. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest today. Um, her name is Corrine Boebold. Am I saying that? Corrine Boebold? Everyone I- uh, mispronounces it. It's Corrine ba- Babel. Babel. Oh, okay. Corrine Babel. Okay. Um, so Corrine is actually a medium and a healer. And I had met her through Instagram and I had saw her page and we had emailed back and forth a couple times just because she has a podcast that's amazing. And um, I had, we had talked a little bit about postpartum anxiety and depression and her experience with what she was going through. And I thought, let's have a conversation about this and let's try and raise awareness and talk a little bit more about this because yes, these topics can be so scary, but it's so helpful to other people to have them be able to relate to other people that have gone through this and be educated. So tell us a little bit about your experience um, with postpartum anxiety or depression and kind of what that looks like for you. Okay. So I had both at the same time. I didn't know that was possible. And Mm -hmm. my experience was different. I never feared getting PPD or PPA because, um, I mean, I had suffered from anxiety throughout my whole life, but I didn't know that it was like a thing that happened after you gave birth. So um, I had a very rough pregnancy, just having contractions from 26 weeks on, there was a lot going on within my family and whatnot. And so long story short, I was stressed out pretty much my entire pregnancy. I had to have a C-section and um, I have two – well, I have three kids. I have a stepson, but I've had two babies. And the second one was significantly different from the first. I had my daughter naturally. They put her on my chest and there was this bonding moment. My son wasn't like that. They, mm-hmm. I had a C-section. I wasn't able to hold him right away. Um, I think it was like five hours and before I got to hold him. And oh right from the get-go, he bonded with my husband. Like my husband would hand him to me and he would start crying. And then my husband oh. would take him back and he would stop crying. And it was like this ongoing joke, but obviously like it hurt my my feelings. Sure. Yeah. And um, I tried to, you know, like utilize it to my benefit. Like, oh, I'll get more free time or uh, I don't know. Right. Like, you, you know, just yeah. trying to make the most of it. And, um, I mean, the day that I got home from the hospital, I, there were signs, I have to say there was signs that I, the, the, that the develop, there was depression developing, but I didn't notice them at all. I had no awareness. So when people talk about postpartum depression, in my mind, I thought they were aware, you're going to be aware that you're depressed and you're not happy. I had no awareness at all. 
So I remember like going upstairs. I don't even know if my husband knows this, but I would go inside of the closet and just cry like hysteric. I felt empty. Yeah. I didn't know if it was, I blamed it on my body because I had gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like weird things that I did. Like I'm remembering right now, I remember like setting up the camera and every minute that passed, I was like so sad that my baby was getting older and I had to like take yeah. pictures right now. And my my husband's like, what are you doing? I like set up the tripod and everything and I like had to take pictures of us because I was scared of him getting older. Wait, no, I seriously fear – I uh, that's a huge thing that I – I don't have kids yet, but I just recently got married about a year ago. And that's something that I even see babies on like Instagram, like, you know, influencers will like have a baby or something. And I get sad over their baby growing. Like, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, that that baby was like this big not too long ago. And now it's this big. I'm like, and you can't go back to this big. And yeah. that is where I'm like, like, I'm like that with my puppy, like my dog. Like, I'm like, yeah. I just want to hold like little you one more time. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? That's what I was like, what is wrong with me? And like, I'm holding him and then thinking like to make myself. It's not better. enough. Like, yeah, I can have another baby. Like, yes, make up yes. for this. And I already have three freaking kids. Like, I don't need more. <laughs> but at the time, that's like what comforted me. And uh, he was a really hard baby. He didn't really eat. He didn't really sleep. And I wasn't. I wasn't really sleeping and my husband was helping, but I was breastfeeding. And so like he could only help so much and I didn't have like a large milk supply. So it was hard on myself about that. I don't know when it got really, really bad, but I do have memories of like walking up the stairs and looking at, sorry, I might start crying. Um, Looking at pictures of the family and I would hear my voice in my head say, you had a good life and like, just be like, Yes. This is it. Like there's not hope. Like things aren't going to get any better. And I felt like very empty, like very hopeless. And I didn't know why. And I felt bad about it because I just had a baby. I have like this amazing husband, amazing life. Why do I feel so empty and like life isn't worth living? And so I kept it in and not again, I wasn't aware of how bad it was. I was just like, this is going to pass. I'm not sleeping. I'll start feeling better tomorrow. And one day turns into like, a couple weeks, it got to the point where I couldn't drive. Um, I couldn't take my kids to school. I was like, had such severe anxiety that like, it, it's like a, a constant panic attack where you could barely function and you feel like you're going to have a heart attack and die. Just oh. so overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. Um, I got to the point where I couldn't walk my kids into elementary school anymore. I would just drop them off. And again, I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself. I didn't tell my husband and um well, and and I'm sorry to cut you off for a second but I I I think that um it's so indicative to what I hear a lot of new moms even even the moms that aren't don't struggle with PPD or PPA really as much but they have this they kind of explain those first couple weeks and months of a new child as being like a robot you're yes. literally like like cuz they don't really have a lot of you're just changing them you're feeding right. them and you're trying to make them sleep. And then you're trying to do those same things for yourself, but you really can't. So you're right. not like getting your needs met because it's not really, you know, obviously it's not about you right now. So it's almost like this robotic type of motion. Exactly. Did you feel? Okay. Were you, I guess, um, that's a perfect way to describe it because I feel like you're you're going about the motions, but you're not connected to yourself. You're not aware of yeah. like how you feel and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Were you like – I know some moms, it's like they were longing for, or that the thought of they'll never have their previous life, like that, that part of them is almost like a dead, like you were having a funeral for your life before child. Well, I tried to keep it up. So I, I, I work as a medium, like you said, and I only, um, I'm booked out. Like at the time I was booked out six months. I don't allow that anymore before my mental health purposes, but I only scheduled, uh, four weeks off. And I, the, the C-section got pushed back and whatnot. So I really only had three weeks. And so I'm like, I have to maintain what I was doing before. And I was lying to myself. There's no way that I could continue to function how I was functioning. And so I just kept pushing myself. So yeah, mm-hmm. that that wow. was a huge part of it as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to say the No, 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 no. It's thing. fine. Oh, um, it. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, like thinking back on it, because I'm trying to figure out when was that like moment. But I remember like I went and got my hair cut and the girl messed my hair up. And I remember sitting in the chair like 
I can't come back here and sit here. Like every minute feels like an hour to me where I'm like literally having a panic attack. She messed up my hair and like, it was even hard for me to drive down there. And then driving back, I kept feeling like I was going to crash my car. Like I was hearing voices and I got to the point where I got off in an exit. Sorry, I might start crying. Um, And I just sat in my car and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why do you feel this way? Yeah. And so um, that night I was like crying to my husband and I told him, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm having like really bad anxiety. Like, I think that's what it is. I just feel like very overwhelmed and I, everything that I do, like normal day-to-day tasks, I couldn't go to the grocery store. I couldn't again, drive my car. It got to the point where I couldn't take my kids to school. And, um, I think he thought I was just adjusting. He didn't know how bad it was because I didn't communicate that to him. And it wasn't until one night, I went to go take a bath and I was shaving my legs and I had the razor in my hand and I heard a voice saying, um, sorry, I'm going to start crying. I heard, it was my own voice. And I, and then I was like, am I possessed from doing readings? Like what the F is wrong with me? You know? And so I, I heard this voice saying, just do it. Like, and then I saw my life like flash before my eyes and I knew everyone would be okay except my daughter. Sorry. So I threw the razor and I ran downstairs in a towel and I told my husband, you have to take me to the hospital. I'm not okay. Yeah. And then he got like a little mad. He's like, why didn't you tell me that it was this bad? I'm like, because I don't want you guys to put me in a loony bin. But like at this point, like I do not trust myself. We have to go to the hospital. Right. And so we called my mom and she came over and I made him take me then because it got to the point where like, I never understood that when people say that they don't trust themselves, like you really Mm -hmm. feel like someone else is in control of your body. Right. Yeah. And so he took me to the hospital and, um, we, it was so embarrassing. Like I told him, like, I'm having like suicidal thoughts and they're at, are you going to do it? I don't want to do it, but I'm, I don't trust myself not to do it. It's like Mm -hmm. such a mind fuck. Totally. Yeah. So they put me in a room and there's like someone watching me and Mm -hmm. this like weirdo psychiatrist comes in and um, he's like talking to me like I'm a baby and I start explaining to him. I'm very open and honest and I – he did like an evaluation and he's like, I think you're okay to go home. We're going to give you Klonopin and – or no, we're going to give you Xanax and um, and then you can follow up with a – like a psychiatrist that you can see on a regular basis And so we go home and I take the Xanax and it doesn't work. And I'm still having all of the same feelings. And at this point, I'm aware that I'm not okay. So it's like freaking me out even more. And I have a baby to take care of. And so I reach out to um, uh, my doctor's office and they're like, sorry, we're booked out like six to eight weeks. We can't get you in. And I'm like, are you – like I'm telling you I'm not okay. And they're like, you have to go to the ER. I'm like, I was just there. And so I try to get a hold of the doctor and I can't get a hold of him. I call, like I reach out to people outside my insurance. Like I'm willing to pay whatever, yeah. $200, $300 just to see someone. Yeah. Everybody's booked out. And so my husband's like, Ugh. why don't you call your OBGYN? He's the head of the department. He should be able to help you. So I did. I sent him an email and he's like, I'm so sorry that, that we failed you. I can't believe that, you know, the, the doctor from the ER should have had another doctor already signed assigned to you yes and this was like it took like two or yeah. three weeks for me to get to the point where I got in contact with my OBGYN oh my and so gosh. um I finally finally thank god he got me in with this amazing psychiatrist and I just I I feel like it's really hard to find a good therapist that you can like trust and be open with and uh-huh. so I just like laid it all out there at my first appointment and she's like you're medicine is sleep. You have to sleep. And I'm like, but I can't, I have to work. I have to, and she's like, Kareen, you have to accept that this isn't, this is your life right now. You're not that old version of yourself. You can't work right now. You have to hire a nanny. And there was like, and so then I felt like I just had to surrender and accept what I was going through that I'm not in control of this. And so as a mom, you're like, okay, I can't take care of my baby and somebody else is taking care of it so I can go sleep. Like, that was really hard for me and that made it worse. And mm-hmm. I don't really, I'm not close with anyone in my family. That's a whole different story. And so I didn't really have a support system. Oh my gosh. But I did find an amazing nanny um, for like, she stayed with us for like six, six months. And I was able to like, 
if anybody's suffering through this, what helped me the most was sleeping. I don't know why, but I felt so, the intrusive thoughts went away. Like all of the feeling overwhelmed went away after a week of sleeping. I'm telling you, it is so crazy that I feel like that's not actually talked about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like sleep and the power of it is honestly not really talked about a lot when it I comes know. to like mental health. I mean, we all know it, like the research, you know, we all know it. it's weird. You all know it, but the power of it, of actually, but getting like, you know, that's the sleep that you need in order to yeah. feel like it, the body heals when you sleep totally right. like you, that psychiatrist is right. Yeah. It's, I mean, my medicine, just like just- food. Yeah, she they I mean she got me so the Xanax wasn't working. She said my nervous system was so elevated. They put me on like a high dose of clonopin okay. and I had to take trazodone to help me. I mean, I was like wow, medicated. Yeah. And I felt bad cuz I was breastfeeding and then we just like switched over and we put them on formula, but it's like in my head I had to think like this is either me getting yeah. myself healthy or I'm not going to be able to be here for my other kids. I had two other kids and then like I had horrible stuff going on with my daughter and whatnot. I don't want to talk about it on here, but it was like significant, huge life issues all happening at once. Oh my gosh. Horrible. And now looking back, I mean, I'm, I feel like I can do anything because I went through that. I mean, you're a survivor of all of that. Oh my gosh. I even, I even, I told my husband the other day, like I literally feel like people who have mental health issues, we're like soldiers, like fighting a like invisible battle and nobody understands unless you've gone through it. I can talk about it. I can try to like talk about it in detail, but unless you've experienced something like it, like this, you just don't get it. You can't comprehend it. Right. Right. Oh, you're so, I mean- I appreciate you so much for telling us your story and um, I can see how difficult it is even now to have to revisit that and and how scary that must have been for you at the time to feel so powerless, you know, with – because especially with anxiety, whether it's, you know, postpartum anxiety or, or generalizing any type of anxiety disorder, the basis of, of um, the – debilitating factor is just not feeling like you're in control of anything. Right. But then you're trying to control it. Right. You're trying to figure out ways of controlling it, but like your brain won't let you because the thoughts are just like screaming at you all the time and they're so loud. Right. And as you don't sleep, the thoughts get louder, honestly. Like you said, the more sleep you got, the intrusive thoughts kind of subsided. Yes. Within a couple of days, I started to feel better. And I mean, I had to go to checkups and whatnot and fill out those um, questionnaires. Like, how do you feel? I just lied on all of them because I did, I was so scared they were going to take my baby away. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Right. Yeah. Right. Of course. That's another fear right there, right? Like- right. I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, you see people on TikTok, too, who like admit to having mental health issues and they just have a really bad doctor that isn't supportive, <clears throat> you know? And I, I – I was very open when I finally went to the ER because I was like, this is my, my, I felt like it was my one and only shot to save my life. Oh, totally. I mean, when you get to a point where you know something is like, this is like actually an emergency, right? You have this intrusive thought about wanting to hurt yourself or not wanting to, but just think, having the thought about, well, this is an option or not, even though you don't want to, like that in of itself is so scary for you just to like have that thought. Yeah. And like having the anxiety, again, I've had anxiety throughout my whole life because I had a traumatic childhood, but the depression is like a completely different monster. Like having them at the same time because the anxiety, you feel overwhelmed and like a lack of control and like you have to be doing something and you're just like, mine is racing a mile a minute. And then the depression makes you feel hopeless and like you don't want to be here anymore. And so it's like, these two demons, so to speak, like are in your mind and they're at war with each other and with yourself and it's horrible. Um, so <clears throat> are you, would you say then, I mean, you talked about sleep and stuff now, or do you feel, I don't know, you don't need to share this or whatever, but um, do you think also kind of the recipe of medication you got finally oh, from the right person yeah. was helpful too? Okay. Yeah, I got on Zoloft. I got on Clonopin and uh, okay. Zoloft totally made me feel like a robot, but it's what I needed to get a break from everything. I stayed on it for uh, 18 months. I was like, I'm going to only go on for three or six. And then I was like, uh-uh, like so scared to get off because at the time, again, there was a lot of challenging stuff going on and I – 
there was never like a rest period where it's like, okay, like life is like good. It was always like boom, 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 one thing after another. So I waited to get off and um and and what now made you I'm off. get off. Um, I started to notice I wasn't as um connect well, first of all, like with my work, I felt like not as connected because it's all like oh, about feeling and whatnot. Yeah. I was still able to do readings, but it wasn't as like detailed. And then I also felt like with my kids, um, how do I explain it? It's like the emotional connection was different. I felt like more of a robot. And I just felt like, like nothing exciting, fun. nothing, nothing, nothing too exciting, nothing too sad. Just yeah. kind of like mellow. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Okay. Like yeah. you couldn't like almost like appreciate your kids or like appreciate the moment maybe or like enjoy the moment. I felt like I wasn't like things that uh, my daughter was having a really rough time at the time. And since I was on meds, I feel like I didn't catch it because I was numb to oh, yeah, yeah. Like, emotions. And so yeah. that was one of the reasons why I got off. And honestly, I felt like I, I was ready to. I I just felt like, okay, I'm doing better. I, I'll i be honest with myself. If, um, if I get into a bad place again, I promised my husband. He made me promise him. And I didn't feel like that. But now I know like even on Friday, I was there's just stuff going on. I don't there's a lot going on right now. And I'm like, I need to take the day to myself and I just need to rest. And so I'm better about doing that. And so I can catch it before it gets really bad. Building up. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's probably one of the hardest things for moms and new moms or any mom is to feel like it's okay to take time for yourself. Right. It's hard. I, it's trust so me, even hard now, to give yourself like, permission to do that. I in my head, I had like write a laundry list. These are the reasons why. And then I'll tell my husband I'm. T- and he's like, I don't care. Why are you telling yeah. me that? Like, you're a better mom work. when you take time for you. Yeah, that's how you are a better mom. Because if you keep running yourself to the grave, you're not going to be a good mom. You you might be showing up, but are you showing right. up with full energy and happiness and enjoying your kids? Or does that break of one day leaving your kid with a nanny? It's okay. I feel like so many moms have that guilt of like, mm-hmm. I can't take care of my kids or like, um, yeah. I don't know. Even my mom was guilt. like that. Like she never gave us to a nanny. Like she never, she had this like that she had to do it. Mm-hmm. And like she lost herself. She lost her identity in us because she, her whole life became taking care of my brother and I. And so when we got older and we went to college, she had no life. So I feel like so many moms, they give up their job, they give up their career, they give up their identity and they're just a mom, which, which right. being just a mom is a huge task. But what happens when your kid leaves the house? But a lot you of those lose, people you, that are like that, like I see it in the work that I do, they're not happy. And then they can't figure no. out why they're not happy. I'm like, yeah. you're not happy because you don't have, you need to fill your own cup when it has nothing to do with your family. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I even, even talking about this, I'm sure I'll struggle with it again next week. I just have very high standards. And again, I feel like it's because of the childhood that I had where I have to do this and there's no way. And then I put myself into a corner where I'm yeah. like, I'm a failure, blah, blah, blah. When someone yeah. would be yeah. like, how are you doing all of all of this? You're doing like three people's jobs. And so I honestly feel like reflecting is a huge component in um, like maintaining your mental health. I've been trying, I have a journal that I write in a couple of times a week just to reflect, how do I feel right now? What's on my plate right now? How does that make me feel? So then I don't get to that breaking point. The other yeah, blessing in great. all of this, since my mental health got so bad, it got to the point where I had to be selfish and focus on myself. And I recognize key people that were in my life, family, that were making me sick. And I feel like the universe showed me, like, I didn't make the choice to cut them out of my life. They were naturally cut out because I would, I will never let my mental health get to that point again um, because I want to be there for my children and whatnot. So I did have this, like, huge clear out as well, which was, like, another whole can of worms. Good for you. But now that's hard to do. It's so hard. And I'm still even I still struggle with it um, even to this day. But now mm-hmm. in my head, I tell like I feel too, I did not have a choice. That is one of the things that pushed me into that corner of like not being OK. So I feel like a lot of people who have mental health issues are surrounded by people who are not ma- are making it worse. Yeah, totally. To- that's why boundaries are so important. But like mm-hmm. I said, like it's really hard, especially when sometimes those people are like all you know. And so 
or you your don't. family attacks you. I mean, I, yeah. I'll i say I stopped talking to my dad and then my, my brother stopped talking to me for – I have a twin brother. He stopped talking to me for a while and other people in my family and it was really hard. And again, I like had – it was more of a feeling than like a thought like this is making me sick and it's not getting any better. And so I – I have to put reprioritize my life. My kids come first and then they fall underneath that. And if you're making me sick and a bad mom, then I there's no choice but to like yeah. push you to the side and like let it be. Right. Totally. So you mentioned before too that now you can recognize that there were signs leading up to this that you can recognize. But like when you were in it, there wasn't this a lot of consciousness awareness for you at the time. But yeah. can you talk about some of those signs now that you do know you ha- did notice or you now can notice but didn't back then? Um, I'm naturally a perfectionist, but that was like I feel like everything was like on steroids so like everything like with perfect like with the um with my son I had everything had to be perfect to the point where I was like so annoying like things had to be done a certain way um kind of like OCD maybe okay um and then a lot of sadness and feeling hopeless I feel like that was one of the main uh, emotions that I felt that I I don't know why it's so weird but I didn't again I didn't recognize it at the time crying a lot. I, again, I, but I would hide. And so even talking to you, I'm like, but you would hide doing it. I I felt maybe, um, it was just like from finally getting my body back and whatnot. So I just tried to talk myself out of my feelings. Yeah. Well, so I actually, um, was, you bring up a couple good points because there's a, um, there's a couple different Instagram pages that I found that are pretty good for, information on PPD and PPA. Um, One post I I saw from simplify underscore parenting, they talk about like what puts you at risk for PPA, PPD, or some type of like burnout as a mom. And so I'm just going to read a couple of them. And if you maybe can share if these, any of these applied to you. Um, So one is like little to no support from your co-parent, but it sounds like your husband was very supportive. He was, but he was working a lot. And so he wasn't home a lot. So that's so that could be a factor, right? Like you have obviously you need to support the family. So he's right. And honestly, we weren't really we were having some issues like emotionally, like mm-hmm. at the time. So yeah, yeah. that's one check. <laughs> yes. Um, financial strain. Yeah, because of my work, I don't have paid time off and whatnot. So I felt like I had to keep working. Um, having young children. So you already had some other kids, right? I have two. They're the same age. So yeah. Um, at the time. Uh, okay. This one's interesting. You didn't talk much about this, but I wonder if you were, if this was part of it at all, but social comparison. So like going on and seeing pictures on social media or other moms, what they're doing or like what you're not doing and comparing yourself. Yeah. I had a couple of friends who, um, one friend from elementary school actually had a baby six months prior to me. And then another friend, just had a baby a couple of months and they were like posting things on Instagram, like the cute one month photos and whatnot. And I was struggling even just to get him dressed in the morning. Yeah. Stay off social media if you're struggling. Seriously. Seriously. That would be one of the biggest I things. I still do that, by the way. Yes. I was going to say, yeah. Even, yeah, even you're feeling good and stabilized, like you're feeling good. I mean, even for people that are just listening that are just not even with struggling with PPA or PPD. I mean, obviously boundaries with social media is so important in general. So just- I have to tell myself our life just looks different. Like my stepson, his mom has passed. And so, and then my daughter has a different dad. And then we have my son together. Our family's different. And so I have to tell myself Mm -hmm. our family is different. It's not going to look like everyone else's. And I just have to accept it. And you're only only getting the highlight reels of people on social media. I know so many people who- they talk so bad about their husband and then you're on Facebook and they're like, oh, my husband, lovey-dovey. I just love you so much. Like he's the best dad ever. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you were just at dinner. Like, (laughs) so it's just like, it's so funny how, and I think it's a huge issue with, with new moms nowadays too, is like, you also see these ladies with with photoshopping you can photoshop your body and so you're like oh my gosh she bounced back so quickly and then you're like why am I worried about my body and how it looks like I feel guilty for worrying about that when I'm trying to take care of my kid it's just there's so many factors coming at new moms that their guilt is huge oh my gosh so now that you say body that was 
I completely forgot about this. From the moment he was born, I was focused on like starving myself and losing the weight. So like 50% of me was focused on losing the weight. And then the other 50% was like focused on trying to be a mom, which is like so shallow. But at the time I had gained like 60 pounds and, you know, I'm getting older. And so anyway, that was a huge, huge part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so much of, of when it comes to um, body dysmorphic, dysmorphia or any type of body issue, like issues with people that are kind of debilitating, a lot of it it does con- what contributes to it is feeling like not in control, right? It's something that you were able to control at that time too, right? So, right. so after, yeah, now all said and done, I'm like, oh, I do have issues with like my body, which I've been working on since then as well. A lot of issues yeah. surfaced that I didn't know existed. I'm still working on it. them. It's actually crazy, like how many moms though. Like uh, my friend, our family friend, she had her son. Let's see, 15 months ago. And the conversations that she's had with other new moms, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have my kids back to back. So I'm not really going to focus on like getting my body back in order. And then like the other mom's like, okay, well, I'm going to like wait two years. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have, I had this kid, I'm going to get back in shape and then I'll have my other kid in like two years. So it's like, it's crazy that that's actually a bigger topic, even if you've never struggled with body issues that you just feel like you almost like getting that back is almost like getting yourself back because you feel like- You don't have that bump, but it looks like you have that bump. And then like you have – you just don't feel like it's still your body. You don't. And um, to be honest with you, especially from having a C-section, I was like angry about it. Like you're – and sorry, but it's really, really rare. I know there's like celebrities that come out and they look like they pop back in like two weeks. That's not normal. Like that's (laughs) really, really rare. For most of us, your body literally is never the same. Your hips spread and widen and whatnot. And a lot of like – the transformation is accepting that this is just a new version that you have to accept. You're not mm-hmm. going to be a size. I used to be a size zero in high school. Oh and gosh. like, that's what I was focusing on. Like getting back to size zero. I'm like, wait, yeah. that was like over 15 years ago. You haven't. So it's like a lot of like mental talking yourself out. Your, of yes. your abdominal muscles literally spread to where there, you can like some people, you can put a knuckle in between it. Mm-hmm. It's I know. Called, I what's it called? Huge. What's the word? Um, um, it starts with a D. I know. I can't think of it right I, now. Yeah. So I didn't even know that that happens, but guess what? Nowadays there's this at plastic surgeons, there's this package called a mommy makeover. You have no idea who's oh, getting God. that. I know Come so on. many people that you would never guess have gotten that. And it's this whole thing. Sure. They lift your butt, they lift your breast, and then they put your abs back together. That pisses me off. I feel like it's not, we're not playing fair. No. And that's what's so sad. We live in a society where it's like everything you can just, you can fix whatever you want if you want to get under the knife. And it's like, you see those mommies on Facebook and you're like, God, they look so good. And they're not disclosing, of course. Hey, by the way, I just got a mommy makeover and they sucked everything back together. I know someone that got one and almost died. Yes, me too. Me too. She had a blood clot. Mine has got sepsis. Yes. Yeah. And well, it's honestly, like thousands of dollars. Well, I can tell you honestly that like I I don't know if I'm going to actually bear children. If I do, I feel like I can identify with having this um, just rumination about my body image a lot. Same. I've always had it my whole life. This like just feeling so consumed with me looking at myself and making sure my body looks a certain way. And I don't know if this happened with you, but I can imagine that I would feel, I would feel, yes, so kind of just out of touch with who I was because I feel like I think about my body. I work on that too, like my body image and accepting and loving my body. But I find that I feel so, it's so hard for me if I don't feel comfortable in my body to like feel like I want to be intimate with my boyfriend. Completely. Like that even even is a mind F. Like I don't even want to – like be like I'm nerve. I don't want to be naked in yep. front of him. Same. I like literally still. This is like so embarrassing, but I still shower with the light off. Like I have issues. Wow. Still, I'm working oh on gosh. them. But yeah. you know, life is a journey, and through everything yeah. that we struggle through, we come out uh, not just a better person, but like more understanding and empathetic of like other people and whatnot. And so I feel like the old version of me would have judged someone who was overweight. And now I'm like, 
I actually respect moms more who aren't like a size zero or aren't like they don't look fit because we're they're going through it and they've sacrificed not only their body but their life for their children. Oh my gosh, one hundred percent. I I agree with that. Um, so there's actually three more risks that I'm curious oh, okay. to hear your opinion, and then um we'll probably wrap it up. But um, okay, so one is a history of depression or anxiety. Yeah, and it sounds like you said you struggle with anxiety for more most of your life or yeah I had anxiety I mean I was in and out of counseling since I was 16 like I said I had a traumatic childhood and just a lot of abuse and um the depression though I didn't realize I suffered from depression until I had the PPD so Uh, there's periods of like sadness and stuff but I thought it was normal I didn't know that it was depression yeah yeah that's well and just for anyone that's curious between like the difference of PPD and PPA. Um, So anxiety and depression just in general are, I like to call them siblings because um, they're so intertwined a lot of times. Um, But basically the symptoms can look very different, but a lot of times what's happening in our brain and the thoughts that we have are very much the same. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, um, but so if you, so for example, the symptoms you might experience with depression would be like low mood or helplessness, feeling empty or numb, loss of interest in things, feelings of worthlessness. Um, With anxiety, it's more like feeling on edge or nervous, having a racing heart, feeling very panicked or excessively worrying, um, having racing thoughts, or maybe your your body feels like numb or shaky. Um, But like, so those are the symptoms that kind of are, are different. But what is very similar with both of them is like irritability trouble concentrating, again, those thoughts, having distorted thinking, trouble sleeping, changes in appetite, feeling fatigued. So they're very much connected. Um, So if you are kind of thinking like, well, I don't know, maybe I have both. I mean, a lot of times people that struggle with anxiety will also struggle with depression at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's good to kind of just be, know that, yes, maybe you're having certain symptoms and you're like, I don't know which... Most of the time, it's more, it's important just to know that what's happening in your mind is what you need to kind of look into and really, really work on. I, um, the best way I could explain it is like if you had a full schedule, like from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., you were booked like every single second. I felt that overwhelmed and I started to develop. Well, I had this issue when I was in fourth grade and it just went away where um, I got diagnosed with disassociation disorder mm-hmm. where you literally don't feel like you're in your body. Like I'm, it's weird when I talk about it, it starts to happen. You feel like um, you're watching yourself, the movements and whatnot. And that started yeah. to happen. And that was scarier than anything else. Oh my gosh. I'm sure that, that, you know, I, Taylor didn't, when we talked about the derealization and depersonalization. I know disassociation mm-hmm. is more a more intense um, version of those, but yes, the feeling of not being in reality or just yeah. like you're someone looking at yourself, you're yeah. kind of mm-hmm. like floating and looking. It's it's so scary. It's like, so scary. Yeah, yeah. so it's, scary. And luckily, I met a, f- a really good friend of mine. She has trauma as well, and she was talking about it. I'm like, oh my god, I have that too. I'm like scared to tell anyone. And then after doing research and then finally I told the psychiatrist and and whatnot. And I think it just comes from being – like there's like a cap when you feel overwhelmed and then your body just disassociates because you're just – it's too intense. It's too intense. Totally. That's that's what – especially with uh, some trauma. Yeah. It's almost like you don't know how you would survive it if you didn't disassociate. Right? Yeah. Now I kind of – I look at it and like I'm glad I, it gave me a break from myself and from what I was yeah. going through. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. And then the last two are having perfectionistic tendencies, which you had talked about. Yep. <laughs> um, thinking that- That's a yeah, risk you, factor? That's a risk factor. No. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and then the other one is having an I don't like to ask for help attitude. Were you yes. someone that was very hard to ask for help? Yes. Even from my husband, even from my mom, even from anyone, I have to do everything myself. Yeah. yeah. That's I check all those boxes. Yeah. So, and I mean, what, what the great thing is though, as we kind of moved through those risk factors is look at where you are now, yeah. right? Like tell, tell us a little bit about how you're doing and 
when you told us how you kind of started recovery, but it sounds like you're doing, you're really balanced and you're doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, COVID was really, really hard on my family. I get, I have three kids and then school shut down. I'm trying to work and the baby was like a year and a half at the time or two. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And but I feel like it just helped me be less of a perfectionist where it's like we got through the day, whatever, if they stayed in their pajamas all day, whatever, if something, didn't right. happen, you know, so yeah, right. I'm doing good. I mean, I had a bout of depression, um, I think February of this year and I just, I told my husband I'm, I'm sad and I don't know why, but after I talked to him about it, he's like, but you have this going on with your family and this and this and this. And again, there's like huge, significant, um, life events, circumstances that if one, if, if I was dealing with one of them, I would be sad and they're all like running in parallel. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I have been taught just to have grace for myself whenever anything's happening. And I've learned to like let things go. And I mean, looking back, I'm actually pretty thankful that it happened because like that old version of myself is so high, strong and so controlling. And now I feel like I'm able to be a better mom and I'm more empathetic and compassionate towards myself. And so I'm doing really good right now. Like I said, you know, like life isn't perfect and it has its moments. But when I begin to recognize uh, I'm having a bad day, I'll cancel my clients where before I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to get mad at me. And now I'm like, if they're not understanding, then maybe they're not the right client for me. Like maybe I'm not meant to help them. So I, again, I feel like it just helped me have a different mindset and um, just not be as controlling and not so stuck in like my schedule and just be more flexible. Yeah. I think that's awesome that you, um, were able to be more aware in February that things, you know, like you were kind of understanding, okay, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling sad and it's, it's a different sad than on a normal day. And I think maybe I need to incorporate this stuff or I need to, you know, ask for support from my husband because I can feel myself getting to this point again. And, and I'm going to try and do what I can with the tools, you know, that I have to not get into that space that I was in. And I think that's one of the most important parts of the the journey for healing is really the conscious awareness and just being able to say to yourself, okay, I'm having these clues again. You know, I know that something is actually going on and I I need to take a step back and and use my support system and the tools that I know I have and I need to talk about it and I need to try to kind of grasp at it before it gets to that point again. I will never let it get that bad again to the point where I will cancel my clients. I will cancel my plans. I will like, well, now I take every, the first week of every month off and I only work three days out of the week because my job is like significantly emotional and draining. I'm like feeling, you know, energy. That's a whole different story. And so I've just had to like reflect on my life, like what's working and what's not, what's, what affects me in a significant way, what doesn't. And then if it does like having to reassess and a lot of it was really, really hard though. Cause I am a perfectionist. Like I should be able to do nine to five, five days a week and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, that I can't sustain that anymore. I have three freaking kids on top of like working sure. full time. And then I have my podcast and I have a husband yeah. and ah, yeah. it's like a lot to balance. And I feel like a couple of times throughout the year, the universe will be like, okay, we're going to reassess. You're not doing it. You're doing it again. You're pushing yourself into a corner. And then, but I feel like what I've learned what I used to do was I was would be so hard on myself. How did you let it get this bad? Why can't you do this? And now I'm like, okay, I I guess that, you know, I I fell into old habits and now I'm going to pull myself out of it. And I feel like as humans, we are hard on ourselves and we make things harder than they have to be. And that's the biggest thing that I recognized through all of this. I was causing a lot of it. Right. Wow. Gosh, you have so much insight. I this is yeah. such a good this has been You're such a great conversation. Yeah. I I, I learned to be. <laughs> you know, yeah. I had like from going through like the darkest moment of my life. I was telling my husband the other day, like, I don't talk about this a lot. It's really, really hard for me to talk about it because it's so scary. And I, I feel like part of the other reason why I went through it, because I get, you know, like I think 20% of my clients uh has had suffered 
they've lost someone from suicide. And I have so much compassion for those because I was there. Like you literally feel like you're possessed and there's no hope and whatnot. And so I feel like now that I've gone through that, I'm able to convey to the family that's left behind. It wasn't about you. It was that they were significantly so hopeless in their mindset that, you know, they chose to cross over. And so there's a lot of blessings that came from it. And I feel like as humans, we're like, why is this happening? It's like, how about like, what is it teaching me? Like, can we have that mindset? And now I have, I've developed that mindset. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Again, last Friday I took off because I was going through it. But now instead of like me taking three months off, I took one day, you know? That is amazing. And if if anything, I mean, if you take, taking something out of this, this conversation today is that there's, there is always some type of hope. Like there's always, there, there's, there is a way to get help and there is a way to get better even when you feel like you're in your darkest moments. I'm so glad that you said that because I remember asking my psychiatrist how, um, it's so funny because I did a reading for her when I first met her and then she believed me and then we were like so connected. And so then I asked her questions. I'm like, how do you do this for a living? You just see depressed people all day. Like sounds miserable. And she's like, I do this because you're, you get better. They get better and you're going to get better too. And it was at that moment, I could not comprehend how I could go from such a dark moment to feeling happy again. It didn't feel possible at all. Totally. But yeah. I'm here to say it it does get better. You will find happiness. And there's a messed up blessing in disguise from going through something so dark and whatnot. I mean, me, me and my husband went to couples counseling after and we are so connected and we're doing so good now. And so there's so many blessings that came from all of it is my point. So if you're struggling right now, I promise it's not always going to be this way. It's yes. just a moment. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I think there's no better way to leave it than that. That's so um, that's so powerful. So thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you if they want to, you know, look at your social media or website, whatever. So um, I my Instagram handle is Medium Kareen, K-A-R-E-E-N, so Karen with two E's. And then my podcast is um, All Spirituality. It's called Walking on Feathers. Amazing. And we'll put your um, Instagram handle in the show notes too. So for anyone listening and wants to find out some more information, we'd, we'd love that. Um, Taylor, anything else that you want to ask? No, I, I love that. I think you have – I see a lot of myself in you. I People are always like, I don't feel like recovery is possible. And I'm like, I totally remember those days being like, I will never get to that point of like getting through this. Like this is my new normal. Like I remember being like yeah. my – my past life is over. Like this is life from now on. The rest of my life will look just like this, waking up, panic attacks. And I was like, I, I almost like accepted it. And then I think like getting through it is like why I use my voice to tell other people that you can get through it. It can get better. You can. People are always like, well, yeah. I go back to who I was. And I'm like, no, you won't. You'll go back to a better version yes. of you. I cut out so many things in my life that weren't fulfilling me in the way that I was supposed to be living my life and I feel so now I look back on it panic disorder and anxiety and I'm like I feel like it taught me so much about who I'm meant to be yes. and how I'm supposed to live my life and I feel so thankful now that I went through that because and I know that sounds crazy if you're sitting at home with panic attacks right now you're like Taylor you're on meth because how how could this all be good good for me and I'm just like it will like you'll see it, it one day like just hold on keep putting in the work and healing is not linear you're gonna have some bad days yes. you're gonna have good days but keep going it'll be worth it I like how you said the waking up because I forgot about that I was having the same issue I would wake up at like two or three o'clock in the morning I got diagnosed with free-floating anxiety I don't know if you guys have heard of it I could not breathe. I would like be choking yeah, and I couldn't yeah. breathe. Sleep paralysis? paralysis? It's not that. It oh, wasn't sleep yeah. paralysis. It was like I would wake up from like I wasn't breathing and yeah. like I would choke and I would like have to – I would pop out of bed and start gasping for air and they diagnosed me with free-floating anxiety. I had all of these like weird yeah. issues. But that went away That's too. It's been like interesting. two years. So. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, this has been so amazing, honestly. One of my favorite podcasts we've done. Thank you for having me. Really? I'm so passionate about this just because that, seriously, it was like the darkest thing I've ever gone through. And I'm so open because I want everyone to, we don't talk about this as a society. It's, you know, like something's wrong with you. Go to a loony bin. No, if I can get better, anyone can get better. I promise. Start sleeping. Go get a therapist that you enjoy and just be honest with yourself. Don't lie to yourself. I was lying to myself for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you so much again. And maybe we can kind of have another discussion about this. I feel like there might be some people that want to hear even more. So I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well. So go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out and as always go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.